Hey everybody, the Ringers Gaming Podcast, Achievement Oriented, and our very own wrestling podcast, The Masked Man Show, are breaking off of Channel 33. It's a split. Will there be a rivalry? You'll see soon. You can now subscribe to each of those shows on their own on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. So subscribe right now. Welcome to the number three podcast in all of sports and recreation. It's the last time I'll ever be able to tout our ratings, I guarantee you. This is the Masked Man Show. I'm David Shoemaker, and I'm here with Dave Schilling. And very shortly, we'll be joined via uh, conference call with Dan St. Germain. <laughs> How are you doing, Dave? Good, good. I can't believe that we uh, were so successful the first week. Keep... Uh, Liking the podcast, subscribing, and writing reviews. The reviews super, super helpful to us. Thanks for saying that, Dave, because I've never I've managed to forget to say that every time someone's asked me to in my many year podcasting career. I'm a broadcasting professional, just like Bobby Heenan. That's that's what I heard about you before before I invited you in here. Um, it's been a big, big week for wrestling, a big week for uh deep and painful feelings of disappointment for wrestling fans (laughs) like ourselves. I think that's just part of the deal of being a a depressed, disappointed wrestling fan, as you know, is going to happen soon enough. And I think... Speaking of disappointed, speaking of depressed wrestling fans... (laughs) We got him. (laughs) Dan St. Germain, how are you Uh, doing, buddy? uh, That's how I want to be introduced every time. Yeah, the king of sad himself. To be fair, it's not, it's not just wrestling that I'm disappointed by. There are most areas of my life I'm pretty disappointed by. So um, I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad that we can lead with wrestling this time. Yeah, man. Uh, we still have to have a long talk about your Twitter follows, but we'll save that for a time when you're here in person to defend yourself. <laughs> um, listen, uh, you were, we were together watching Fastlane on Sunday. Um, yeah. I think we all would have said going in that we thought Goldberg was going to win. Um and yet, yes. and yet, the room. There were probably about fifteen marks in the room, or smart marks, or whatever we want to call ourselves. Uh, and I think we, I, the, the feeling of disappointment was was palpable. What, what, what was your take on the main event? Well, I missed. You know, I don't even remember, but I missed. I didn't watch it with you guys because I had a, I had to go perform, um, do stand up at the comedy store, just dropping names. <laughs> um, but I. I yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was. Look, I mean, I thought it was the. It was the best they could have done with that, with how it ended. You know, like, like I, I think that like they. It would have been nice if Kevin Owens got some offense in, but if they were going to do a squash, that was the best way to do it because at least you could make the argument that it wasn't Kevin Owens as bad. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's just it's kind of insulting. You know, like Brock, I get as a draw. The Rock, I get as a draw. But like, did Goldberg draw any money in WWE? Like, that's my big question. I, I, I never thought he was that good. Um, I, I didn't think he was particularly great in the ring. I thought he was okay on the mic. He had a great look, and we still have no idea whether or not this guy can wrestle. And he's in the main event at WrestleMania. Well, I it's think kind we, of insane, actually. I think we know he can't. I mean, w- the three of us all went back and watched Unforgiven 2003 to get a sense of like what he was like the last time he won a World Heavyweight Championship, and that match was really bad. It was 14 minutes of stalling by Triple H and Goldberg uh-huh. kind of throwing really generic power moves. Uh, so we know he yeah. can't. So 
I think that we have to just accept that this is the best he can do. And in terms of his drawing power, I mean, can you blame him for not drawing money in WWE, or can you blame the booking of him being mediocre? Well, well when he first came in, I blamed the booking for sure. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I would have to look at the numbers. I don't really. Maybe there's something I don't know. The Goldberg shirts are selling crazy, and and the ratings are higher when he's on. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it would have been a way more interesting event, main event, is if like they hadn't brought, broken Jericho and Kevin Owens up, and they had Goldberg versus Lesnar versus Kevin Owens, and done, you know, what everyone had hoped at WrestleMania 29 when it was seen of the Rock and Punk. That's what a lot of people would hope, or at least CM Punk had hoped that. Um, so I, 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 I think that that would have been a more interesting angle, but. You know, I, 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 you know, again, it's like WrestleMania. We're not we're, again. This is like the, the probably the second year in a row where we're not watching it for the main event. At least I'm not. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a. I, I was thinking about that earlier today. I mean, we all know that WrestleMania is not for us. That's a, been a given. I've been writing about that for years, um, and that's fine. We can enjoy it on its own terms. But it really does feel like this year is sort of. I, I mean, I give WWE some credit in the, in the in attempting to make the road to WrestleMania more intriguing than it has been in years past by putting these sort of twists and turns in the road. Um, they've really managed to like break our hearts that much more. You know, I mean, it's like it's the WrestleMania, it's the WrestleMania well, I mean, of broken uh, for dreams. The time, for the first time, I was super excited about the SmackDown main event because I thought it was going to be Harper, Orton, and Wyatt together. Maybe not super excited, but I was like, all right, well, that's at least interesting. Like, I, I don't understand. We've already seen Orton versus Wyatt. And, and even, like, Kevin Owens versus Jericho, we saw some, like, uh, I think one of those live events. I don't know if it was, maybe not the one in Japan. Maybe it was, I forget. But uh, we, we've seen everything, and it, it stinks. It stinks that we've seen everything. I was thinking... I was I'm thinking sorry. about that. I was thinking about that watching SmackDown the other day because they were hyping up the first ever Orton AJ Styles match, and it was a really good match. But I was, and I was just like, I know we can't save these things forever anymore. But but we can't. We can save that match. Yeah. that's what I thought last night. I was like, why did we need that match on SmackDown? And why did you need? And look, here's another thing, which I know that some wrestling purists are going to get pissed off at me. I understand that on paper, Randy Orton is a good wrestler, uh, just like Tim Duncan was a good basketball player. <laughs> I don't have fun watching either of them. You know, like I, they're they're just so you know it's this slow, methodical, like like almost like fundamentals wrestling. And you know, you always have to wrestle a Randy Orton match whenever you're fighting Randy Orton. You know, there. I, I, I even his great matches. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just watched that match and I'm like, it's always the same shit with that guy where he's like the snake and the even like you know Undertaker kind of like changed his style up after a while. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm a little harsh on that. I mean, I think wrestling's better with Randy Orton in it. But I, I also like sometimes I just can't get excited about. It, about, about I don't know I just don't understand I just can't get that excited about it you're not excited about I loved him, I loved him I'm sorry I loved him in the legend when he was a legend killer I thought yeah. that was amazing yeah me too you're so, not excited about Bray Wyatt being in, in a world heavyweight championship match at Wrestlemania I mean I am I hope he I hope he he's the he leaves it with the strap you know so I think or I like Wyatt I, I you know I do think that some of his stuff got super kooky at the end of it for kookiness sake 
Um, you know, I had always fantasy booked that once Wyatt was going to get the title, he was going to light it on fire in the middle of the ring and said it means nothing, you know, do the Joker type thing. <laughs> they've, already, they've already used their, their fire budget for this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. you, yeah. Hey, Dan, before before you before we have to let you go, you mentioned The Undertaker uh, in the same sentence as the I'm word excitement. Whatever, guys. Uh, how, how are you okay. feeling about The Undertaker's big return to Raw this week? Um, I thought that was handled the best. At least, at least we haven't seen that match before. I mean, do I th- wish it was like Undertaker and Cena or Undertaker, Cena, and AJ? I mean, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, at least at least there's a clear f- face and a clear heel. I mean, if they really want to double down, I was fantasy booking this at Mania, right? I mean, you have some... Uh, you know, you have the. I'm more excited probably about the cruiserweight championship than anything else in Mania, which is weird. Mm-hmm. But um, you have you have in the beginning of the night, like like or or in the middle, you have Reigns just squash Taker, squash him, and then maybe get added to Goldberg and Lesnar at the end of my triple threat. Have him beat them. <laughs> have him beat both of them in a screw job, and then just make. The ultimate heel in Roman Reigns, like you know? like a like, like a mirror universe version of the WrestleMania Nine finish, where he just shows yeah, up like that. Yeah, just go full throttle, make him a super heel. Because at least now with Taker, he's a he's a he's like the closest he's been to a heel, right? I he mean, has no choice. He yeah, a, you're wrestling the Undertaker. Yeah, you're but, a heel at this point. Yeah, but he, like you know, when Shawn Michaels and Triple H faced the Undertaker. There was an element of like still respecting those guys, you know. At least I felt like okay, everybody hates that dude, you know. So, yeah, yeah. No, I mean I think it's, it'll be an interesting, it'll be an uh, an interesting new chapter in the Roman Reigns exper- experiment uh, or experience, yeah. I guess. Um, I think it's experience at this point. I think it's it's a, it's full blown experience. Uh, anything else you're excited about heading to WrestleMania, Dan? Anything you anything you want to well, touch on? Cruiser Cruiserweight title match. I hope. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be at WrestleMania this year, which kind of stinks. Um, but I will uh, hopefully be on the pod before that again. I mean, I, you know, again, the cruiserweight. I'm really. I think Neville versus uh, versus Austin Aries could be could be great. I thought that that match that they had was uh, that, that that Neville had at the pay per view was awesome. And Amazing. I, and I thought Austin Aries, like the promo that they had on Raw together, was great. So that that's 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 really exciting. Um, Jericho versus Owens. Hopefully, they have a good showing. Um, uh, I don't know the triple threat women's match on Raw. Maybe that. Uh, is there anything else I'm missing that should be super exciting? Oh, the mi- mixed tag match. I will say I love the build up for it. Like like I said before, you know what we were going to get out of this mixed tag match is a lot of really fun promos. Yeah, you know, the match will probably be whatever, but the promos will be will be fun. Yeah, so. it was more of a seamless transition for Cena than I was uh, than I was expecting it to be. Not, not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not as down on it as I uh, as I might have thought I would be. Um, well, listen, Dan, yeah. thanks for thanks for calling in. Thank um, you, thank you, guys. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, uh, check out my uh, dates down dancejermain.net. I'm going to be on the road a little bit in April and May. And uh, yeah, check out Superior Donuts. All right, have a good one. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks again. Bye. I'm trying. I'm on the internet right now to see you as dancingermain.com. <laughs> Dan probably does. He's a web designer. Oh, you see, it's dancingermain.net is the place where all of your. Uh, he can't buy out that guy. Yeah, I don't know, man. Or get him to do his website. 
That's a, that's a, that'd be the trade-off I would do, man. That would make exactly. a lot of sense. Okay, listen, we t- we covered a lot of ground with Dan, uh, but there's some big things, the, the big picture stuff that I want to touch on, um, or like the bigger issues here. Um, uh, let's start with Fastlane. Let's move in chronological order. That was a. Um, I said it when it, when we we introduced Dan on. It was it was I was more disappointed than I thought I would be. There was nothing particularly surprising, but. I still I hold out hope because that's just the curse of the of this mark. And Owens had a great run with the title, arguably the guy who was keeping Raw afloat after the sure. Finn Balor injury, with uh, Seth Rollins being out, you know, for a while. But Goldberg had to have the belt. That's the thing. Is like, and yeah. I don't know if the the casual fan cares that it's a title match, but when somebody who's going to a WrestleMania party comes late and is like, what's the title match? Some random casual fan, and they say Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar, maybe people will be excited about that. Sure. And I mean, there's a lot of validity to that, and that's great. Uh, I don't want to, you know, formally eulogize Kevin Owens, but it's this seems like an appropriate time to say some nice things about him. You were talking, you, you mentioned that keeping Raw afloat. I mean, there were definitely times during the Seth Rollins championship reign where keeping afloat was sort of like the best compliment you could pay him. I mean, he was he's an incredible talent. There was never a point where with Kevin Owens as champion where that sort of thing even crossed my mind. I mean, he just the show was just firing in all cylinders with him on top. You know, it wasn't just they weren't just eking by or whatever, you know? He was just a really, really competent, skilled champion. And two things to the I mean, to to the matter of my disappointment. It's 100% on Kevin Owens being awesome. That that promo that he cut in L.A. made me believe that there was a chance, you know? That the, just the way that it's... I mean, WWE, you could say the way that they booked him. It was more the way that he just, like, booked himself that made it, made him seem like a legitimate threat. The threat, I mean, you know, there's a chance he was going to hang onto the belt. And, you know, spinning that forward, that his work on Monday night just formally, you know, just codifying his his US title match against Jericho was by the book, but it couldn't have been any better. You know, for I mean, there's there's so few people like I can't even think of who the other people in WWE are who could just pivot from, yeah, I lost the WWE Universal title to but now I want your US title just because I hate you better than Kevin Owens. I think Miz is the only person who could who could pull that off verbally. Um, I almost wish that they had saved the turn for after Fastlane or at Fastlane because what we've gotten to a point uh, with here is Kevin Owens built up all this heat and he got so over as a heel, but then a lot of that heat dissipates because he gets beaten clean in the middle of the ring. Granted, there's you know him being distracted by music and a person standing 50 feet away from him, uh, so that mitigates against him looking completely weak, but it's just like he had all this momentum, and then he hits this <laughs> roadblock, for <laughs> a lack of a better term, and then um, now he's supposed to be built up again as as an unstoppable, well, not unstoppable, but a monster. I just, I just wish that the story had been had been told in a different way, in a more linear fashion. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some validity to that. I think that <clears throat> that you know, there's a lot of competing interests if we're talking about composing the show. I mean, from the one, you know, I'm always a proponent of tell your best story right now and figure out the rest later. Obviously, this is 
we're talking about one story told, spread out over a period of time. So you get the benefit of the doubt on that one. But, um, you know, I, uh, to, to have them split up and to string that out, I, I mean, I guess I can see where they're coming from. Also, there could have just been the case where they, like, they knew they had this festival of friendship in their back pocket and they want, and that had to play out on a raw, you know, that, you know, and you have to just sort of fit everything in around that. Um, but listen, it's going to be a great match. I hope that WWE is smart enough to really give that time because I mean, Lord knows that a lot of the matches we're looking at aren't going to be five-star classics. Right. Not that that's ever part of the calculus necessarily, but you know, we're always looking for the Savage Steamboat on every, every exactly. WrestleMania card. I don't even, you know, I mean, frankly, if it were, if I had some other choices, I don't know if Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho would be in my, you know, top five for Savage. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm making up an imaginary ranking, so there's no reason to even say a number, but that's not, both of those guys are incredibly gifted. They're not, I don't think you put them together and immediately think Savage Steamboat, but emotionally, um, they have a lot to work with there. Yeah, this is this is their opportunity to steal the show, and I, I think that with or without the title, that opportunity still exists, and if they if they take it, which I know they will, because these are two guys who are very dedicated to the business, um, and if they're able to be successful in telling the story that they want to tell, it could be the match that we remember. We have a new Universal Champion, Bill Goldberg. Let's applaud him. The sweatiest man alive. Good God. Did you see him on Monday night? Yeah, but I mean... He was drenched. I disagree. There are two men that are sweatier than him. One is The Rock, who may or may not be there at WrestleMania. The other one is Brock Lesnar. Like, I always, I always, you know, whenever there'd be rumors about Rock versus Brock, and I mean, that's obviously a match that Vince has wanted for a long time, my concern was that they wouldn't even be able to, like, get a hold of each other. And I think now <laughs> Goldberg is... Uh, Goldberg is 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 right there with him, you know. Good I mean, it God. could be this could bring a whole new meaning to Slobberknocker, you know. I mean, this could be just like a, a terrible. I mean, just a weird, weird match. Special guest referees. But yeah, it's a uh, it, it, we're gonna have Rock versus Brock as for, for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania. Um, we saw Brock Lesnar on Monday night. Um, a little F five action. Do you? Uh, I mean, did, did Monday night make you more excited? I mean, are you are you are you on a scale of, you know, one to ten? How how stoked are you for this match at WrestleMania? This is going to come as a surprise to most of the listeners, but I'm a nine, even though I'm a, I'm down on the fact that Kevin Owens is not the champion going into WrestleMania and all that because he's one of my favorites. I'm so intrigued by the idea of these two guys wrestling a longer match. How are they going to do it? Yeah. Are they are they going over the beats of the match now? Are they going to rehearse it the way that like Warrior and Hogan sort of really like broke down that match to sure. the nth degree into the most minute detail so that it 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 functions? Uh, That's the only way it's going to work. Yeah. So I'm super super interested in in how this is going to play out just from you know, the, a craft perspective. To take that to another level, I'm extremely interested in just the backstage aspect of it, too. Because, I mean, uh, I'm interested to know what to what degree Vince or whoever actually has the power to tell them to practice, you know, to, to work it out if they don't. Um, but you're right. You know, you we watched the two with the, what was what was the, the, the Goldberg-Triple H match? Was that it was three? Yeah, Unforgiven 2003 <laughs> was when uh, Goldberg finally won the World Heavyweight title. Yeah, it was... To, to me, what that reminded me of was uh, was Rick Rude, who, by the way, we should say congratulations on getting in the yeah. WWE Hall of Fame. Um, 
uh, we'll talk more about all those, all of the Hall of Fame inductees at some point in the future. Um, but it, it reminded me of Rick Rude Ultimate Warrior in the sense that it was just like there was one person who was, who was you know needed to be carried, and you know Rick Rude was, I mean, an incredible in ring performer in a lot of ways. He wasn't like you know Dean Malenko in there, but I think that like I, but but you know I think Triple H had that had that Rick Rude role in that match, you know, to make Goldberg look good and to stretch the match out and to have a couple of, you know, like. B and C spots within their match to make it all to make the narrative arc sort of carry through. Um, but man, that match wasn't the most fun thing in the world. He took like two or three powders during the match, even though if he was to get counted out, he would lose the title uh, based on the stipulations. So that logic wasn't there. He uh, he pulls out a sledgehammer and, and, and hits Goldberg in the face with a sledgehammer, and Goldberg just basically doesn't sell the thing. Yeah, uh, it was it was a struggle. So I'm concerned. I mean, my biggest struggle with the matches was the compression shorts. I know that, that was, there was a <laughs> medical reason that Triple H was wearing those during that period, but every time I see one of those matches, I, it's uh, it's my irrational complaint department here. It's like you he wore pants for most of his career up to that point. Yeah. Why not just wear pants for a couple of matches? I don't know. And, and uh, also, no beard at that time. That was when he was doing Evolution, so he had to look <laughs> the fa- clean he had, shaven. He had the hair and uh, no beard. It was it odd. Was, it was a very weird Triple H moment. And that, it goes, I mean, he's he, he's remade himself in so many different ways up to this point. But, man, just looking at him like in that match compared to his la- you know, last year at WrestleMania, it's like night and day. Back to Rude Warrior, what if... Like next week on Raw, they announced that Goldberg Lesnar is going to be a super pose down. Oh, well, that would be interesting. <laughs> Lesnar would have to cut some weight, maybe. Yeah. That would be that'd be really that you know. And he's gonna he's to gonna airbrush Goldberg's face on his tights. It's gonna be great. I'm 100 percent in. Um, no, I mean I think that it's gonna be a. I think that it's the. I mean I, I don't want to argue against the notion that it's the right call for WrestleMania. It's probably it's the it's the right call. For, but it's fine if if that's what Vince thinks. It's the right call for WrestleMania. Um, and uh, you know, it's. I think it's. It's sad that that you know, if that ma- if that match benefits from having the title, uh, no, take it back. That match doesn't benefit from having the title. Maybe it benefits five percent. If anything, it just it raises the stakes and the pressure on them to actually have a good match, which might be a net positive. Um, it certainly hurts Jericho Owens more than it helps that match, right? I mean, yeah. the, the the absence or presence of the belt. But you can. But that's all separate from does it help the WrestleMania card? And I think we, we is, you said it earlier, right? When somebody walks into the to a WrestleMania party and they're like, "Hey, what's what's the main event?" Uh, this this mystical uh, casual fan that you speak of, they exist. Um, no, I just I, I haven't met them in a long time, but they're out there. No, we so we were, we hung out with some on Sunday. You know, yeah, I mean, there's a lot true. of people who were just like, "Explain this to me. Right. You know, explain what's happening right now." Um, and for them, yeah, I mean, come on, Goldberg Lesnar is great. I mean, and, and it's and and for. Um, those two guys to be on all the promotional posters and the belt right between them, I think that's fine, man. I'm to- I'm, I'm I'm in on it. Um, speaking of belts, I just saw I just saw a, a thing on on Reddit on Squared Circle that WWE has erected a gigantic um, world championship belt to you know celebrate that WrestleMania is there. It's actually not as gigantic as I was hoping, but it occurred to me. Like they're they're gonna do this physical Hall of Fame, right? That's the rumor that we've been hearing. Have they? Have they? They haven't said it for sure, have they? No, it has not. The been idea announced. was always that, that that having WrestleMania in Orlando was like part of it was a was a pretense for announcing in Orlando that there would be a Hall of Fame in Orlando. You know, I mean, it's a it's a um, a, pretty, a logical destination. I mean, I think that's the destination for it. 
But like, do you think that we could do, could we construct something that just by its magnitude would make it into the Hall of Fame? Like if we made the world's biggest WWE title belt out of Cheerios or something, like would they bring? Would they have that in the Hall of Fame? I, I, we can start trying now. Like they have all those, like you know, like the Dairy Hall. The, the Dairy Hall of Fame has the giant butter cow, you know, and like there's like all this like stuff. We should be. We should do something. It would be nice to get something into the Hall of Fame that is is belongs to me in some way. Tweet know? tweet us your suggestions, or actually tweet them at our new Twitter handle at uh, the Masked Man Show. At Masked Man Show. Yeah, at Masked Man Show. There's no the in there, kids. No, there's not. We don't do articles. <laughs> That's right. Not on social media, anyway. Those are precious, precious letters. Um, but yeah, tweet us some ideas. I think it'd be really fun just to like make. Well, what can we make? Like, let's just build a ring out of melted action figures <laughs> or something. Uh, not that. That seems dangerous. Um, anyway. Um, so yeah. So uh, that's that's our. That, I mean, that's what's happening in the main event at WrestleMania. I feel okay about it. It's it's Sunday Sunday hurt, but you know, it, I, like I said, props to Kevin Owens for making it hurt. Yeah, I mean, I think Goldberg Lesnar is going to be a spectacle. It's going to be a lot of chicanery in that match, but it's going to be a WrestleMania worthy main event because it's two huge, legendary Hall of Fame worthy names. Yeah, the, there was another big moment of Raw on Raw this week. But before we get to that, a word from one of our sponsors. All this month, we're asking you to tell a friend about a podcast they'll love. Right now, stop what you're doing, think of a friend, your mom, anyone you care about, what podcast would they really love? Got it? Now do it. Tell them about it in real life or on social media, and if they don't know about podcasts, show them how. Tell us what you'd recommend with the hashtag tripod. That's T-R-Y-P-O-D. Thanks for spreading the word. All right, Dave. The other big moment from Raw, Braun Strowman comes to the ring, and he calls out Roman Reigns. Now, these two guys had a a, a good match at Fastlane, right? It was fine. I mean, I, I mean, better better than it could have been by a long shot. I was doing a lot of uh, kvetching about Roman not selling as much as I wanted him to, but. For what it was, it was fine. Yeah. Yes, it's funny. I don't. I, I don't know if it was that match that made me think of it or another one I was watching. But I certainly was thinking uh, there was certainly it, it holds for this match that there's really two kinds of selling or two two halves of selling, and one is um, reacting when something happens, and the other one is like consciously reacting the right way or like continuing to sell a hurt lent. The sort of like headier aspect of selling. Roman can do the first half. Yeah, he was like hitting the ground when bad things would happen to him, you know? I mean, it was not like he was lost, like he forgot to be a wrestler, but there certainly seemed like there was a, uh, uh, the second level of it was a little, was not entirely plugged in. Yeah, on one end of the spectrum, you have Sami Zayn, who looks like he's dying every time he wrestles. And the other end of the spectrum, you have your Goldbergs, your Ultimate Warriors, your Braun Strowmans, who don't sell anything. Mm-hmm. And there's a middle ground that the Austins... The Rocks, uh, the Triple H's to a lesser extent, the Kurt Angles, the Ric Flair's of the world would live in. And I don't think Roman Reigns is far enough towards Sami Zayn on the spectrum to really be an effective babyface. I actually think Braun Strowman has a better, seems to have a better grasp of that second level of selling. I mean, because he does react in sort of the right ways. He's maybe not bendy enough to sell in like the phase one aspect of it. He looks dazed sometimes. Yeah, he has a good, he has has a good dazed face. so those two fought. Uh, it was it was a little bit of a surprise that Roman won clean. I think to add to the 
the mild surprises and disappointments of of uh, of Fastlane. Um, I, I mean, I think I just assumed it would be some sort of double countout or some sort of you know whatever. I don't think. I mean, the answer to why Roman went over clean, which everybody was saying at the moment on Twitter and in real life, was that he has to win if he's going to go up against the Undertaker. Um, and often the often that sort of you know non kayfabe logic is enough for me, but it didn't really feel very fulfilling after that match. Um, but all that aside, Braun Strowman comes to the ring on Monday, calls out Roman Reigns. Instead, he gets the Undertaker. Um, how, what, what you take over here? How would you explain Braun Strowman and The Undertaker's interaction on Monday? So Strowman looks at him for a while, and then he just he slowly backs away. He was afraid of The Undertaker, which is reasonable in kayfabe terms because The Undertaker is an icon. He's a legend. He's the phenom. He's an undead professional wrestler who yeah. is legitimately scary because of his track record in the ring. From a booking standpoint, it's a little peculiar because Braun Strowman has, up to this point, been afraid of no one. Mm -hmm. So you're sort of putting over The Undertaker at the expense of Braun Strowman's mystique as a monster among among men. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, you can also just say that Braun Strowman respects The Undertaker, right? I mean, it's, yeah. I think to what you're, to your point, it's it, it was a weird look just coming off the night, I mean, coming off a night where he lost cleanly to, to Reigns. I mean, maybe that's part of it, too. Maybe he's like, I, you know, I still hate Roman Reigns, but man, I just lost. Could I... Dare take on the Undertaker? No, right. you know, um, and maybe you know what? Maybe he and the Undertaker are good friends, and he was just clearing <laughs> out of the ring for him. Well, it, Braun Strowman was in the Wyatt family, and uh, you yeah, know, they had they had some tussles here and there. I, I just think that if you're going to have these two guys, Reigns and Undertaker, square off, do you need to do it at the expense of Braun Strowman, who just he either looks like a babyface because he respects the Undertaker and Roman Reigns doesn't. Uh, or he looks like a coward. Yeah, I mean, I think that if I if you if I wanted to defend this, I would say that in, that it's not it's not a bad thing to give uh, a, a monster like Braun Strowman a little bit of humanity and just a little bit of personality, you know, like a little bit of intrigue. If he just swings at everything that comes his way, then you know we've seen that before, and we know what the expiration date is on that. You know, it's, they're, they're, they've got to find another level, even if it's a. Uh, a, a subtle one to to Braun Strowman in the long run, and I think the same thing could be said for Monday, for Sunday night. I mean, hey, he's not going to be undefeated forever, so let him lose to Roman Reigns when we as fans are complaining about the Roman Reigns push and not immediately going to oh well I, I don't want to see Braun Strowman anymore because the mystique is gone. Right. Um, but anyway, it's a, I mean it was it was a, it clearly a setup for um, a, a WrestleMania match between the Undertaker and Roman Reigns. Uh, either that or a you know uh, uh, lawn trimming match because <laughs> the entire thing seems to be about yards. But the yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, so uh, we have Undertaker versus Roman Reigns. Hey, listen, I'm not mad about this match. You know, I think this is a good. I mean, this is a this is a good use of Roman Reigns. I, I can imagine Undertaker matches I would rather see, but um, I think you know. If you look at the people who were probably on the short the, the short list, the entire list of people Vince would let the Undertaker wrestle and the Undertaker too, this is fine. And I mean, if I mean, if Dan's takeaway from this, and he's not alone, was that Roman Reigns is the heel in this match, then I think that's a that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a net positive. I I was never really that excited about the idea of Undertaker versus John Cena because 
John Cena doesn't need to beat The Undertaker. Yeah. John Cena does not need to work with The Undertaker. Wait, wait, wait. Can I, can I interrupt real quick? Yeah, of course. I know you're not excited about that, but <laughs> would you have been more excited for John Cena and Nikki Bella versus The Undertaker and Michelle McCool? Oh, uh, that's... Would she be doing an undead gimmick, too? Would yes. she be oh, like a corpse bride? That's exactly right. The okay. corpse bride, Michelle McCool. Uh, that would be kind of funny. Yeah, I'd do that. Um, no, I, t- I take your point. I mean, I think Undertaker... I mean, listen, we Undertaker Cena, we talked about on this podcast six months ago or whatever. Nobody was that excited about it then. No. We were all hoping that, it, that we were saying, get rid of Cena and give us AJ Styles or whoever. You know, I mean, that was. I think that that's what the internet wrestling community was pretty much unified in that. Um I, th- I personally think this is the Undertaker's last match. Yeah, it's, I, it's 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 interesting because they teased him being around way more, and he wasn't, and he just had hip it's, surgery. Yeah, the one one thing that we haven't mentioned though is that this is is that you know we made a big deal of the or WWE made a big deal of the brand split when it happened, and like are there going to be matches between brands? Well, we're getting one in this match because Undertaker pledged himself to SmackDown. <laughs> right, very loyal to SmackDown, despite have not having not been on the show since November. That'd be great if that was what the whole build up to the match was about. Just a Raw versus SmackDown rivalry. Bragging rights. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think that this has the potential to be a pretty terrible match, but also like a really enjoyable match. You know, I mean, certainly better than Undertaker's match last year against Shane. It will have heat. Yeah, that is the one thing it will definitely have. And is this a might lot be, of heat. And of all the people who, you know, Vince or whoever it is at WWE who's in, you know, willful denial of Roman Reigns' <laughs> uh, uh, face heel alignment. Um, if there's anybody who they'll believe, the the anyway that Vince will trust the reaction because of the opponent, it's got to be the Undertaker. Yeah, this is a litmus test for Roman Reigns, I think. And it will dictate where his character goes in the next year or five years or ten years. Uh, that's another in- intriguing element of it is where does he end up on the spectrum at the end of the match? Because he's going to get booed out of the building. There's no question. He gets booed out of every building now. Yeah. And in Orlando against The Undertaker. I mean, that's a, as far as getting cheers, that's a no-win situation. Yeah, pretty much. Um, uh, let's talk about SmackDown real quick. Before we get there, we mentioned briefly the cruiserweight match. Uh, oh my god! The, the wow. Neville versus Gallagher. I mean, I, it, it, talk about WrestleMania repercussions. I I I like Austin Aries. Uh, he's he's a very talented wrestler and an even more talented talker. But I think that the the bar there's no the bar has been set and and WrestleMania is not going to go over that bar for cruiserweight matches on big shows. That was one of the stiffest matches I've seen in in, in a year or two uh, in WWE. That is, and props to Jack Gallagher for those headbutts. My God, Jeez Louise, man. those those seem just like shoot headbutts. And to so me. much more. It's just the tiny thing, but so much more believable than most like comeback moves because it's like it doesn't take. You know, somebody comes back with like a big drop kick. You're like, where'd he get that energy? He was just lying on the ground. Headbutt right. a little bit less intense as far as like energy expenditure. It's like a last last gasp. Yeah, sort of deal. and it's so much more believable than a punch. Absolutely. Like it was just that was so not. Oh, what a what a beautiful little match and a great uh, red arrow to finish. It just it was they were going for it, and I think they had a lot to prove, and they proved it. That the cruiserweight division is worth your time. That there are a lot of talented guys in there when they're given the opportunity. To stretch to to work a match that's longer than five minutes, yeah. and for them to do their thing and not work WWE style. Well, I mean, uh, talking about styles, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole, but this is 
assuming this wasn't, you know, a deliberate move by WWE style-wise, WWE, listen, like, this is your way forward. Yep. Because the, cause the, the style is not, the style for the Cruiserweight division does not need to be, you know, like something from a an indie show where it's just coordinated backflips for five minutes or whatever. Right. You know, like, this was a real match with a real story well told that, that existed largely on the mat. I mean, not like, not lying down on the mat, but it was a... Heavily for a cruiserweight match, a lot of ground, you know, a lot of ground game. Well, let's go back to to really quickly because we now we have to get to SmackDown. But when the cruiserweight division debuted in WCW, it was a WCW upper mid card that was full of guys who didn't go to the top rope. They didn't do a lot of high flying moves. They didn't do flips. They were ground based heavyweights. So it was revolutionary for ground based cruiserweights. No, I mean when the cruiserweights debuted. There was nobody really doing a lot of flippy stuff oh, oh, okay. in WCW. Sorry. Yes, they were. They brought lucha styles and they brought you know Japanese styles over to America uh, to a greater extent than we've ever had. Besides the Jushin Ligers and mm-hmm. random guys. Now, the sort of like flippy stuff, the 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 high risk planches and tope suicidas and and moon salts. Those are so intrinsic to the main product that the only way for the cruiserweights to really differentiate themselves from the main product is to do what Gallagher and Neville did. Yeah. To do no, something I, totally I different. I think that's a good point. And I, th- I just think in general, you know, the, these guys can like punch and kick and headbutt each other. Anyway, uh, that's uh, we're getting too far afield. The main thing that happened on SmackDown this week, getting to the real important stuff, uh, was the main event. We got our... And the show opened with a Daniel Bryan, um, Shane McMahon dual promo, and ended with, um, uh, I mean, the, the promo that announced that there would be a match between AJ Styles and, and Randy Orton to determine the number one contender. Again, we are now where we were one month ago at the end of the Elimination Chamber, right? The only difference is that we got this tease that AJ Styles was going to end up in the main event. Well, we're essentially all the way back to where we were at Backlash. Yeah. They're fighting each other again. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I, I appreciate We talked about Randy Orton burning down the the compound or setting Sister Abigail on fire or whatever last week. The thing that occurred to me this week was just like, if this, in kayfabe, right? Uh, we can, It's fair to assume that the Wyatts live a very bizarre lifestyle. Right. Randy Orton didn't just show up in kayfabe. Randy Orton just didn't just meet him at the arena and go out to the ring with him every week. Like, imagine the hell, just the general discomfort that he went through while playing out this con to set their house on fire. Like eating bugs and wearing sheep masks and, and doing strange pagan rituals, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, like I'm sure his old buddies backstage were just like, hey, good show tonight. Do you want to go to the hotel bar? Do you want to go to the club? I've got a gun. Let's get to a Broadway show. And he's just like, no, guys, I got to... I gotta just like cover myself in pig's blood and like have a ceremony. Yeah, we're sacrificing a virgin tonight, guys. Uh, so, I'll, but I'll see you after. I just might smell funny. Uh, I don't understand it. It's fine. I get it. This was. It's an angle with professional wrestling. Suspend your disbelief. But yeah, it's 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 hard to suspend disbelief with this particular angle. But I think it was relatively well told. I just feel for Luke Harper. Luke Harper is is uh, persona non grata in this in this angle for right now. I'd have to guess that he's probably going to end up back with Bray, with a reconstituted Wyatt family. Eric Eric Rowan also healthy. Yeah, he's Let's ready to come Somebody back. Somebody on Reddit had an incredible, just an incredible theory that this that Eric Rowan has actually been is a part of this story even though he's not on screen. 
because he's been like tweeting videos of him dragging body bags and stuff. I mean, there's like some interesting over the, the past. Sa- he rescued Sister yeah. Abigail, right? It's I'm I'm totally into this. Um, Luke Harper's going to get his turn. I think you know this is a, this is a slightly frustrating time. I think for a lot of people on the roster, a lot of people we love, just because it's it's you know a time when no one's no one knew is getting a shot at the next pay per view. Sure, I don't think Luke Harper was necessarily ready to be in a world title match at WrestleMania. I think it was kind of a pipe dream uh, from the get-go. But he proved himself to a fairly significant degree, working with AJ, uh, working babyface a little bit. You could see there's something there. But I don't think that it made a ton of sense for him to be the one that would be in that match. Sure. Listen, um, we got to get out of here soon, trademark David Shoemaker. <laughs> do you mean that for real this time? I do. I have a meeting in one minute. Okay. Um, but we, but uh, let's hit some Twitter questions. Oh, yes! First question is an email from Brian Chung. One thing I'd love to hear discussed is why does the WWE do such a terrible job of preventing spoilers? Ooh. This doesn't happen on TV, other TV shows where we all know what's happening in the season finale months or weeks in advance. Well, first things first is that it happens live uh, so I mean, there there are actual things like you know I saw uh, Goldberg at the airport today. You know I mean going and catching a flight to wherever Raw is. I mean those things are sort of hard to get out. The other thing is that it's evolving in real time too. So um, so you know when these rumors come out, they're 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 much more pointedly about that time. I mean there's there's spoilers for like Game of Thrones. I saw Jon Snow in whatever in Glasgow or whatever with his hair long. We know like you so you know he's going to be on the next season. That stuff happens. Um, yeah, there's never a point when there's a downtime of well we're not writing right now. So they're constantly coming up with ideas, brainstorming. What, what Bruce Pritchard says on his podcast all the time is new T- just, new new director of TNA or something. Bruce Pritchard. Yeah, Impact Wrestling. Bruce Impact Pritchard. Wrestling. Yeah, sorry. Uh, he says all the time like well we just had suggestions that we throw out and sometimes Meltzer or Wade Keller or whoever would hear about those and then they would take them as gospel. So that's, that's the that's the other part of the answer too is that the, yeah there's there's spoilers like 75% of them aren't true. Right. And we but like yeah so the the real stuff gets out there too but um I think it's just really hard man. I mean if 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 uh what's the what's the um hour long prestige drama du jour right now? Like Westworld was the most recent one that I think everybody was watching. If Westworld was like a community theater production uh, that was just being performed live from a soundstage on HBO every Sunday. Trust me, we would have a lot more spoilers about that. Exactly. There's a huge difference between like, you know, a, a, a you know a show that's been produced and everybody's working together, and you know, and it's and it's you know it takes months of production, and just like a show where you can just you know. A guy backstage can be like, I'm going to Instagram this cool picture of a prop, and right. then everybody in the world knows about it, and they're interested about it because it's happening that night. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just a different different beast. Uh, next one, Justin Pinotti on Twitter, at Justin Pinotti, uh, asks, why is everyone surprised Goldberg, a guy who has lost five times <laughs> in 20 years, beat Owens? I don't think we talked about it. I don't think there's any. I don't think it's a surprise so much as just a you know hoping against hope situation. We're just irrational marks, man. I'm sorry. What can I say? And it's. I mean, listen. There's nothing better as a wrestling. I mean, on some level, the disappointment <laughs> aside, there's nothing better than realizing you've been worked. I mean, and really, that was I mean, Kevin Owens did it. That's why I want to give him props to start off the show. Yeah. Um, listen. I mean, my big complaint coming out of Sunday, and we texted about this, and you know, it was a little rant on my part. Was just the the. I think you can say this about so many of the things. All the things we've talked about today come back around to this point, and it's just that the pay per views don't matter, and it's not. It's a point other people have made before. It's not a new thing. 
but really, with the exception of WrestleMania and SummerSlam, and you said that you said that you know you mentioned Elimination Chamber or Money in the Bank because there are actual stakes in those matches. Point taken. But I think as far as what happens on these uh, on the non super major pay per views, um, there's just no, nothing's going to happen. You know, like what Sunday should have been. The Undertaker making a surprise appearance. Sunday should have been Sasha Banks turning heel. Raw and SmackDown are for storytelling. Pay-per-views are for wrestling. And there was a time in the 90s and early 2000s where angles would run on the pay-per-views as a way to then get people to tune in to Raw the next night. They don't need to do that as much because they don't have competition. So if you want to see a great 25- to 30-minute match with stakes, with um, drama, with false finishes, all that good stuff, it's on the pay-per-view. Sure. If you want to see angle advancement, if you want to see surprise appearances, if you want to see heel turns or babyface turns, if you want to see great promos, Raw and SmackDown are where you go. Yeah, but sometimes stories should be told in the ring, you know, and that's just it. I mean, we're talking, don't, I mean, talk about great wrestling on a night where, yeah, we had the Cruiserweight match, and I guess... Samoa Joe, Sami Zayn, the show opener would have been number two. I mean, I've heard people say that Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman was the number two match on the card, but like, it's, we're, we're splitting hairs over, you know, just very minor matches in the grand scheme of things. Listen, um, thank you for stopping by as always, Mr. Schilling. You're very welcome. What's, your, what's your Twitter handle? At Dave underscore Schilling. Uh, tweet at Mass Man Show. Uh, if you have questions, use the hashtag MaskedManQuestions because someone came up with that hashtag, and it seems like a great way for me to then comb through and find those those questions. That's great. If you have questions about wrestling or just life in general. <laughs> sure. Also, wrote a piece about Goldberg and oh, yeah. Unforgiven 2003 on BleacherReport.com. Check that out. Yeah, we'll tweet that from the uh, official show Twitter account. I'm at David Shoemaker when I'm on Twitter. Uh, Apologies to Dean Ambrose, as always. We'll catch you back here next week. 